Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. I remember the first time that I heard that there was a correlation between the food that we eat and the health that we have. It was in 2012. I remember because at that time I was living in Korea with my husband and I was suffering from some major health issues. I had depression that was so bad that I could barely sleep, or when I did finally sleep, I was unable to get out of bed the next morning. I was struggling with acne all over my chest as a 22-year-old woman and could do nothing to get rid of it other than what the dermatologist prescribed with antibiotics and taking them for months at a time just to get it to go away. I was having troubles with my energy levels. So many things were going wrong until one of my friends recommended that I read a book called It Starts With Food. I read that book and learned from it about this thing called the Whole30. Now everyone has heard about the Whole30, but then it was still pretty low key. Not a lot of people heard about it. And I feel like I was one of those first people kind of to jump on the bandwagon because even though it was a really insane thing for me to do, to give up my bread and my dairy and my sugar and to go on this super clean diet where I only ate meat, seafood, vegetables, fruits, and healthy oils and fats, It was a complete life change for me. And not just during the 30 days that I did it, but me doing that whole 30 changed my life from that point forward. I have never gone back to the way of eating that I had before then. I've never struggled with acne like I did back then. My energy levels have been higher than ever, even in eight years past that. And I have not struggled with depression in the past eight years. That's why I am so excited to be talking to today's guest, Melissa Urban. Melissa Urban is the co-founder and the CEO of the Whole30 program. And not only that, but she's a six-time New York Times best-selling author. She's been on things like Dr. Oz and Good Morning America. She's been in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, People, Forbes, and she's been ranked number 19 on greatest top 100 most influential people in health and fitness. I have been following Melissa Urban and the work that she has been doing for almost a decade now, and she has been an inspiration to me. So today, I'm talking to Melissa Urban, who is behind this phenomenon known as the Whole30, and I could not be more excited to share this podcast with you guys. There are so many amazing takeaways, so be sure that you carve out time, go for a walk, listen to this one, and take notes, because you guys, it's good. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, 
to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. I am here with Melissa Urban and honestly just can't even believe I'm here with Melissa Urban because she has been such an inspiration in my own life, in my family's life, and in the lives of so many of my friends for the past, gosh, 10 years. And Melissa, just thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being with me today. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to talking. Oh, absolutely. Well, Melissa, So let's go back to the beginning. What led you on this journey to even starting this thing that's called The Whole 30? I mean, it started way before. So The Whole 30 has been around since 2009, but my journey actually started around the year 2000 when I finally Mm -hmm. entered into recovery from my drug addiction. So Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of years addicted to drugs and using. I went to rehab twice. The first time it didn't quite stick. And the second time I realized that if I was really going to maintain my recovery, I had to change everything about my life. Mm -hmm. So I really aggressively started, you know, exercising. I started paying attention to what I ate. I made new friends. I changed my clothes. I changed my job. I changed the music I listened to. I really went about this in like a radical kind of growth mindset shift. Mm -hmm. And the whole 30 was really born as a self experiment uh, with me just trying to figure out if tweaking my diet could bring me even more benefit, um, specifically to my athletic performance and recovery. And what Mm -hmm. I ended up discovering was so much bigger than that. So when it so when it first started, I think I saw a post or something that you said where the whole 30 kind of started in like a forum post. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, I had a training blog called Urban Gets Diesel. And it was my like CrossFit. <laughs> no, I know. So good. <laughs> and it was my CrossFit training blog where I would share my workouts and kind of random musings and kind of like what I do on my Instagram now, but with a lot more F-bombs. Yeah. And when I did this self-experiment in 2009, I remember calling my friend Melissa afterward and I was like, I did this thing. It was so impactful. I can't believe how much it transformed my relationship with food. Do you think anyone would want to hear about it? And she was like, yeah, I think some people would be interested. So I wrote about it on this CrossFit training blog in July 2009. And that was really the start of the first group Whole30. I invited people. I wrote down a rudimentary set of rules. And I said, does anyone want to do it? And a couple hundred people said, yeah, I'll try it. And like that was where it started. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So how did you even choose what was going to go into this first Whole30? Was it because of your nine years of doing it yourself? Or where did that come from? So the foundation of the Whole30 is based in clinical research that my co-founder at the time was doing. He was a physical therapist. He was really interested in food's impact on conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, which his sister suffered from. He had a shoulder tendonitis that he, as a physical therapist, couldn't heal. So he really was doing a lot of research into inflammatory factors in food and stumbled across research that some earlier paleo diet advocates were linking these particular food groups to things like inflammation and gut disruption and blood sugar dysregulation in the body. So Mm -hmm. in the beginning, the Whole30 food groups that we eliminated were based loosely on the framework of a paleo-style diet. We were looking at anti-inflammatory foods that could you know, potentially disrupt the gut, blood sugar dysregulation. And I was also looking at foods that I know from my experience promoted cravings. And that's what we decided to eliminate. Hmm. So you mentioned that your journey with this started when you overcame your drug addiction, which is 
amazing. First of all, I can't imagine how hard it was to change everything about your life and to be clean and sober for this many years. So congratulations on that. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super careful not to say sober because through mm-hmm. my recovery, I have still consumed alcohol mm-hmm. from here to there, mm-hmm. but definitely um, recovered from my drug use for 20 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I saw that you were celebrating that on your Instagram a couple of yeah. weeks ago, maybe in a way that didn't go quite as you had expected, but still a celebration nonetheless. Nothing ever and does. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. But when, so those foods, did you feel like you were replacing food with what the drug addiction had done for you in those wow. years? That was exactly what I discovered during my first Whole30. And you never could have pointed that out to me. I never would have made that association. But it wasn't until I eliminated the foods that I was relying on for comfort, to self-soothe, to relieve anxiety, to show myself love, to numb, to kind of run away from what I was feeling. Until I pulled those foods out as a result of this 30-day self-experiment, I never could have made that association in the absence of those foods. Now I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having feelings. Hmm. What am I supposed to do with them? And I had to find other ways to process and cope and navigate. And so the Whole30 really showed me all the ways that I was using food the way I used to use drugs. And it was such Hmm. a remarkable, eye-opening, profoundly transformational experience in that I came out of those 30 days and I had new coping skills that I could use in every area of my life. So what were some of those coping skills that you ended up using? Well, you know, in the beginning, I think now I would say I talk about my feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the first one to get on the phone with my therapist or call my sister or talk to my partner about it or talk, you know, take to Instagram and share something I've learned. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as into vulnerability in 2009, but, you know, I figured out that going for a walk or doing something productive around the house, or maybe doing like an easy movement session. I was never really into exercise as punishment. That wasn't my deal. But I just found that not only kind of doing other tasks could help me feel a little bit better, but I also just learned to like accept what I was feeling. Instead of just automatically pushing it away by eating or drinking something, I now accepted. And I was still in therapy at the time of this whole 30. So I would bring a lot of these issues up in my weekly therapy session. But like the bulk of it was just, this is something you're feeling and now you have to sit in it. And mm-hmm. that in and of itself was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I it It's one of those things I feel like when when you let yourself be self-aware, it's kind of like in some ways a muscle that that you work and you become okay with it and you learn to do more and more with it over time. But some people are super hesitant to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to um, sit in the pain of your past trauma. It's uncomfortable to be anxious in a new relationship. Like it's definitely uncomfortable, but I think realizing that that discomfort is not going to kill you is really profoundly impactful. Like I would do anything to avoid feeling the feelings I was feeling around, say, processing my old trauma. Mm -hmm. And then once I had to sit in it, I was like, okay, this, this is actually okay. The running away was actually harder than Mm -hmm. what it took for me to just sit in that feeling. I wish I had known that, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. So is it something you still struggle with? 
I don't think so. You know, I've done so much therapy and uh, I found the work of Byron Katie, which is another kind of Mm self-inquiry process. And at this point now, the distracting myself with, you know, everyday tasks or exercise or a hike, that, that hurts more than it would just to address the issue. Like it, once you see something, you can no longer unsee it. And I have come to realize that actually like living in and processing in what I'm experiencing is so much easier than trying to run away from it. So I don't really struggle with that anymore. I find that my rule of thumb now is like, if I'm experiencing something uncomfortable, I'll allow myself the space to to grieve, to be angry about it, to be Mm -hmm. bitter about it. Um, I don't have to walk around 24 seven being grateful for what I have, but I get sick of my own like bull after a while. And then it's (laughs) like, okay, now let's kind of dive in using the tools that we've learned to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So do you find that you're not turning to food like you used to? Oh no, that, that dramatic, like that profoundly and permanently changed after my first whole 30. After your first, it pulled the curtain back on the fact that I was looking for something in these foods and I was never finding it. Food was never going to fill the hole. It was never going to help me process my trauma. It was never going to help me process my insecurities. It was never going to help me gain self-confidence. It was just a distraction. And once that curtain was back and I saw that like the king had no clothes, then it was like, well, I don't need to do that anymore because it's not, it's never giving me what I think it's going to give me. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. But you still enjoy food, right? Like you still love eating. And I think that's where some people they're like, so does this mean if I change my relationship with food that it's going to be bland and it's going to be, you know, these are, how does it look for you now? Yeah. I I never want to try to disassociate the idea of like food and love or food and family or, you know, I don't want food to be this like neutral. People sometimes say like, well, food is fuel. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's so much more than just fuel. Mm -hmm. I eat, there are some foods that I would never eat in a million years because I know how much they're going to mess me up. But because my mom baked it, I'm going to eat it and it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I still, you know, food is still pleasure. It's still joy. It's still comfort. It's Mm. still um, tradition, but it's not, I'm not using it to, like I said, fill that hole. I'm using it for a different way. And I still occasionally, Mm. especially during this pandemic, have found myself automatically reaching for something and eating it without even asking myself if I want it. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm now looking at food because I'm bored or because I'm anxious. Like, I wonder what that's about. I approach it with curiosity Mm. instead of judgment now. So that's Mm. something that has changed as well. Mm. Well, let's talk real quick for people who are maybe new to this or don't know about it. What is in the whole 30 right now. So what are the foods that we you focus on that you promote that you say these are amazing do eat these things. Yeah, so I describe the whole 30 as a a 30-day reset for your health habits and relationship with food. So before I talk about what we eat, it's really important I always want to mention it's not a weight loss diet, mm-hmm. it's not a quick fix, it's not a detox, it's not a cleanse. It really is a true reset for your health habits and your emotional relationship with food. So um on the whole 30 there's no cal- calorie counting. There's no calorie restriction. You're not tracking or weighing or measuring your food. You're eating meat, seafood, and eggs, lots and lots of plants. So tons of vegetables, fruit, natural, healthy fats, fresh herbs, and spices. It's basically real whole nutrient dense food for 30 days in a row. 
Mm, and it's good <laughs> when, you, when you do it. I remember the first Whole30 I did back in 2012. I was on day three or four. And I got this coupon in my email from a frozen yogurt place for a free Froyo. And I was like, I got to do it. Like I've got, I'm only on day three or four. I can totally restart this. And I had a friend who looked at me and said, no, Kimberly, you can pay the $5 for the frozen yogurt at the end of this 30 days. Just keep going with this because it like, and in the book, and then you've, you mentioned this, there's kind of this phase that people go through. There's these phases of it, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how it actually looks like when people try and eliminate these seven food groups, right? And then eat all of these plants and yummy things. Yeah. So, you know, the 30, it's a 30 day elimination program. Essentially, it's based on the framework of an elimination diet and the elimination diets have been around since the 1920s. Most doctors still consider them the gold standard for identifying food sensitivities. But in order Mm -hmm. to really be effective, you have to completely eliminate the foods that you're trying to test for 30 full days. It's not mostly eliminate. It's not a little bit here and there. Like they've got to be completely cut out. So in the absence of these foods, I think a couple things happen, especially in the first week. From a physiological perspective, if you're really used to running on sugar for energy, which most people on a standard American diet are, you're going to be a little lethargic. You're going to be headachy. You're going to be tired. A whole 30 by default means that you're eating a lot less sugar. There's no added sugar in the program. You're swapping out breads and cereals with vegetables and fruit. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a slump energetically. Um, you're also probably going to be missing a lot of your favorite foods. You're going to have cravings. You're going to find that, like I did with my Whole30, that there were foods that you were leaning on for emotional comfort that you no longer have access to, and that can be uncomfortable. So there is a bit of a learning curve in the beginning, both physically and emotionally, But, you know, right around the second week, that tends to even out and pick up. And all of a sudden, you find your energy is better, you're sleeping better, your skin is clearing up, your bloat and digestion is better. All of these like magical things happen, but you do have to go through a little period of transition to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of 30 days, I mean, sometimes people continue on, but one of the things that you're, you're so clear in saying so many times is this isn't necessarily the way you eat for the rest of your life. The yes. point. So what is the point to do after those 30 days? Yeah, it's, you know, unlike other diets where you have some guru at the head of them saying, this is the only way mm. to eat and everyone should eat like this. And if you eat like this, everything's going to be perfect. There is no one size fits all approach. Everybody understands that. Except that when you have a dietitian that says like, you have to figure out what works for you, people go, okay, cool. That makes sense. How do I figure out what works for me? Mm-hmm. And Whole30 is really the answer to how. It is a 30-day self-experiment designed to teach you how foods impact you. And so you eliminate those foods for 30 days that can be potentially problematic. And at the end, you reintroduce them one at a time, very carefully and systematically, and you compare your experience. Mm -hmm. So if you eliminate dairy and your skin clears up and you reintroduce dairy and all of a sudden you break out again, it gives you important information about how dairy works in your system. And you can then go on to use that information to build the perfect sustainable diet for you, Mm -hmm. which we call food freedom. Hmm. So the uh, I had three questions in my mind, yeah. and it's one of those moments where it's like they were all fighting each other, and then they all decided to give up. Um, but in doing this, what do you think is the hardest thing 
that stops people from even starting a Whole30? You know, that's such a good question. I think it's a couple things. I think very often you'll get people who propose objections to the Whole30, like, I don't have time for all that meal planning, or Mm. I don't know how to grocery shop like this, or I don't know how to cook. And you would think that if you just provided them with solutions to those issues, they would come around immediately. Like, oh, Mm. here's our shopping list, or I'll come over and help you meal prep, or you don't really need to know how to cook. There are some really basic instructions in the Whole30 book. But what I find is that you can't win an emotional argument with logic. Mm -hmm. And what they're really saying underneath all of these objections is there's something about the Whole30 that's really scary. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get to like, what about changing your diet makes you so nervous, then you Mm -hmm. can kind of start to tackle it. For some people, it's the idea of giving up the foods that they know they lean on heavily for emotional support and they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. For other people, they have a health condition and they've tried everything else to feel better and like, what if they really invest in the Whole30 and it doesn't work? And then they, they kind of feel maybe it's because they've tried every other weight loss, like crappy weight loss diet under the sun, yeah. and they've always failed and regained all the weight. And yeah. they don't understand how Whole30 is a totally different animal. And they're afraid of failure again. So yeah. I think there are a lot of reasons, you know, people often underestimate the social impact of changing your diet for the better and how, you know, you eating healthier can make other people around you really defensive. Hmm. So I think it's just a matter of kind of proposing some solutions for this and offering resources, but also really getting the person, asking the person to like go a little deeper and ask yourself, what is it about, you know, changing the way that you eat that makes you so nervous? Mm-hmm. That one about the social impact of it, 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 that really is so true. And I didn't even realize that personally for many years because I happened to have a group of friends that loved the whole 30. And so all of us were kind of on board. But when you don't have that, and maybe you're at your office or you're at your mom's or at a friend's house, it can be very awkward. Even when you are used to eating that way, much less when you are just now starting this. So what are some things that you tell people to encourage them to not give up when that happens and to get through it? Yeah. The first thing I do is warn them that it could happen. If nobody tells you that you showing up at the lunch table with a different looking lunch is immediately going to put people on the defensive and make them critical and judgmental and snarky. And then that happens out of nowhere. There are a lot of people who are obligers, they're people pleasers, and they will change their behavior just to keep the peace. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. if you're letting other people's own baggage around food dictate how you eat, you're never going to succeed with a healthy eating effort, even if it's something you really want to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I remind people is that very often what people are saying about you and your crazy, I'm making quotey fingers, your crazy diet. Um, or how you're no fun because you're not drinking tonight, that says nothing about you and only speaks to their own relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And once you really recognize that, like, wow, we, this person's being really critical and judgmental, but like what I eat, what I put in my mouth doesn't impact them in any way. I wonder why they're being like that. Once you can recognize, oh, this is actually about them. It's not about me at all. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot easier to like not pick up and carry. I also have a couple rules like don't talk about food over food. So Mm. when you sit down at the table and someone says like, oh, what's that crazy thing you're eating? Now is not the time to get into a discussion of how what they're eating is so bad for you or how you'd feel so much better on your Whole30. It can just be like, 
oh man, I don't want to talk about food over food. Let's just enjoy our lunch. If you have questions, I'll talk about it with you later. Like making sure that you don't turn the dinner table into a battle zone. Um, And there's, you know, I have three chapters on friends, family, and food in my book, Mm -hmm. Food Freedom Forever, particularly because the social situations can be so tricky to navigate. So I offer sample conversations and talking points in that book to kind of help people prep for what they might encounter when they try to start eating healthier. That is that is so good. And even that premise that that you said of what these people are saying is more about what they're processing, what they're going through. That's something even a, probably about a month ago, you were talking about just in, in general, like take it even away from food. But you wrote such a great email about how with the way people are processing what's going on in the world right now, you know, what people are saying is their way of processing it. And I just loved the way of taking it out of the defensive for a minute and putting it into everyone's dealing with something. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, we shouldn't necessarily always say some of the things we say, but, but when we see that we don't have to necessarily get defensive or reactive to others and just putting it back in that they're going through something. Yeah. If you, if you cannot take it personally, and this comes up mm-hmm. a lot around the idea of alcohol, like you mm-hmm. showing up to happy hour, ordering a sparkling, sparkling water and lime is it's almost like you are like engaging in world war three people around you are immediately going to get defensive. They're going to call yeah. you not fun. They're going to like make fun of you, whatever. There's something yeah. about not drinking and a group of people who are drinking where like, if they didn't know what was in your glass, it wouldn't matter, but they know you're drinking right. water and now it's a big deal. And if you can just not take that personally, it's not about me. Like, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? This is not about me. It's just talking. You're only speaking to you and your own relationship with alcohol. Like you don't have to pick it up, but I'm also a big fan of setting boundaries so that you don't let people run over you as they are trying to process their own stuff. Mm -hmm. Boundaries is such a hot topic too. You did a great podcast that I loved where you interviewed um, a woman. I can't remember her name. Yes. Talking Mm -hmm. about, about boundaries. Cause even in just in relationships in general, like not even talking about relationships with food or friendships, but just even in a regular romantic relationship or friend relationship, there's need for boundaries, but it can be so difficult for people to say that yeah, and to put those up. And even when you know how to do it, it, it can be hard. Why do you think that is? Um, boundaries are hard to set and they're harder to enforce. And in, in in mm-hmm. essence, a boundary is a confrontation, right? You are mm-hmm. kind of setting up this structure. And the reason you create a boundary is to make the relationship better. Boundaries serve to improve your relationship for both of you, right? This is mm-hmm. my line. Here's what like you can do. Here's what I'm not going to allow you to do in my life. But yeah. they're hard, especially, like I said, if you're a people pleaser and you yeah. would rather make yourself uncomfortable than stick up for yourself, they can be really challenging. But Setting boundaries around your healthy eating efforts around your whole 30 can be mission critical in terms of you sticking to that commitment. You know, this idea of like, I'm doing the whole 30. I'm not asking you to do it. I don't need any like help or support from you. But my, I'm asked, what I'm asking is that we don't talk about my whole 30 when we hang out. We can talk about anything else you want to talk about. (laughs) Let's just not talk about the whole 30. And like, that's a boundary you can set to protect yourself mm-hmm. against someone else's negative energy around this thing that you're really passionate about and committed to. Mm-hmm. How important do you think positive support is when someone's going through a whole 30? 
It's huge. Any habit change, the idea of support and accountability are huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why we have so much support online around the Whole30. We've got a free Mm -hmm. Whole30 forum run by staffed moderators. We've got Whole30 certified coaches, our social media feed, my social media feeds, newsletters. There's so much support to be had in the community because most people do the Whole30 at home alone. Mm -hmm. We were really shocked to discover that 75% of Whole30ers do the program by themselves. They're not doing it with a spouse or a family member or a best friend or a church group or a CrossFit gym. You know, they're going it alone. And if you're the Mm -hmm. only one in your house making these changes, it can be really challenging and you Mm -hmm. need to support, seek to support elsewhere. So we offer a ton online for people who need that connection and aren't getting it, you know, in real life. Mm hmm. Yeah, because you just finished a whole 30 recently. I did. Yeah, I just finished one. So how was that for you? This past one? Was there anything about it that was different that you learned about yourself that you hadn't before? Do they change whenever you do them now? Yeah. So I did my, you know, I've done nine whole thirties counting this last one spanning 11 years and I haven't done a full whole 30 in five years. Um, I did this one because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. I felt that it would be grounding and centering. We had a huge Mm -hmm. community of people doing it and I really wanted to belong to that community. I wanted to like Mm -hmm. be a part of something bigger than myself during this pandemic. I definitely Mm -hmm. learned some cool, I learned great things with every single whole 30. If nothing else, it makes me realize that some of the things that I think I'm going to miss, I don't really miss that much. Um, alcohol has been a huge one. Like I just, I'm, I haven't been drinking for the last like year and I don't know, six or seven months because every time I would give it up for 30 days and think about reintroducing it, I was like, nah, I don't really miss it. It's not that big a deal. When I do reintroduce it, it makes me feel like crap. So like I kind of just mm-hmm. don't need it. It really helps me solidify what isn't isn't worth it in my food freedom. Mm-hmm. And for me, for this last whole 30, it definitely removed any preoccupation with food whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all home. We are bored and also anxious and also busier mm-hmm. than we've ever been. Our pantries are full of whatever they're full of for our kids and our spouses and maybe ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I found myself going to the pantry door so often. And I was like, Melissa, why are you here? You're not a snacker. You're not hungry. Like, what are you looking for in this pantry? And the minute I stopped, I started doing the Whole30 again. All of that fell away, which felt really nice. Right. So does your son do the Whole30? He has never done an official Whole30. He's seven now and he doesn't need one. But yeah, he's always eaten the way that we eat, though. Like, I don't think he had a... He didn't have his first bite of birthday cake until he was like five. He didn't know it existed. He didn't care. We would make him like, I remember one year for birthday, we made him like a burger with bacon and he was so happy with that. Um, I love it. Now that he's in school and exposed to other people's food, when he goes to like a birthday party, he eats pizza, he eats cake, he eats ice cream. You know, he doesn't have any health conditions that preclude him from doing that. But when he's home, he, I just fill my pantry with stuff that I think you know, is Mm -hmm. whole 30-ish and Mm -hmm. he can eat anything he wants and he like loves it and he's happy and we don't have the sugar meltdowns that we do sometimes with other people's food. So that's kind of nice. Right. That is really nice. So speaking of your pantry, so do you get a ton of food from people like companies that have these whole 30 approved labels that are on them. I just imagine your pantry being this beautiful (laughs) haven of like all of these whole 30 approved foods. Okay. It's my pantry is a magical place and anybody (laughs) 
who comes to my house, any like friends who come over, they know that they're allowed to shop in my pantry. And they will like, I would have this one friend who would come over and the first thing he would do is go to my pantry and start poking around. Like, what's new? What do you got? What did you get this week? What kind of meat sticks do you have? Um, I send everybody home with stuff. My Whole30 approved partners are really generous in sending me samples and sending me new products. So it is a very magical place. I buy, buy, as a rule, I don't accept free products outside of our official Whole30 approved program. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I have a lot of companies who just want to send me stuff and I don't like taking stuff for free. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, my partners are really, really good to me. So yeah, anyone who visits goes home with like a bottle of olive oil, three salad dressings (laughs) and a handful of meat sticks. (laughs) That's awesome. That can get them through a, f- a couple of days. Um, yeah, <laughs> the whole thirty. But did you ever imagine? I mean, just thinking back to twenty years ago when you started changing everything about your life, or even eleven years ago when you did the first whole thirty. Did you ever imagine it would be what it is today? No, no, there was no way I possibly could have. I feel like from one year to the next. You know, two years ago, I couldn't have imagined we'd have a partnership with Chipotle and I'd have a, we'd have a whole 30, a couple whole 30 bowls on their menu. It was like a pipe dream. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't often because I'm so invested in the day to day and I'm just like in it and doing it and supporting the community. I don't often take a step back and really look at the big picture of what we've accomplished and where we are and, and, you know, how many lives we've changed, but I do have moments that allow me to do that. And when I do, it's really overwhelming in like the best way possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has to be because it's, it's, it's kind of this phenomenon, right? Like people, I feel like everyone knows about the whole 30, especially now, like it's been, you know, 10 years and people just know, even if they've never read the book or bought a whole 30 approved item, you know what it is. Yeah. And so it's so cool to see that that's now part of our language. And I mean, you have to just be blown away by it. It's so cool. There was a there was a a name drop of Whole Thirty in both Orange Is the New Black, the last season, and the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Like every (laughs) once in a while, you'll see a character on a mainstream TV show be like, "No, I can't. I'm on the Whole Thirty right now," and I will get droves of people sending it to me via DM, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, we've made it." Well, absolutely. You've made it because it's something that's accessible to people. So even if they didn't have the money to spend to purchase the book or the time to read it or whatever, there's here's what you do. Like you can go to the website. Here's the outline. It's free. Just go do it. And then there's extra support if you want to, you know, get it more invested in it and and get the actual Whole30 approved items, then you can or all the Whole30 approved cookbooks or just like, there's such support that's there, but people can do it from wherever they are, no matter what their income is. I mean, it's just so accessible. Yeah. The Whole30 program has always been free and it will always be free. So you can access the entire program for free, all these PDF downloads, tons of free resources. Accessibility is incredibly important to us. And we've also been, the last couple of years, mostly due to our Whole30 certified coaches, been putting out a ton of resources for Whole30 on a budget. Here's how to Whole30 with WIC or food stamps. Here's how to Whole30 within your local farmer's market. Um, We're really focusing on you know, through our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts through the accessibility Mm -hmm. piece, you know, ideally I would want anyone in the whole wide world who wants to be able to do a whole 30 to do it. And the only thing you'd have to buy to do it right would be the food that you eat. Mm. Melissa, how have you done all of this? (laughs) 
uh, with a lot of help of a really awesome team and, you know, 11 years. Um, that's the thing I want to remind people. People are often, I get do interviews for magazines and they're like, whole 30 is this overnight success. And I'm like, oh, it's been like 11 years, you know, of, <laughs> of grinding. Um, but you know, I think it's just, I don't know. There are probably things we could have done to like, blow up or definitely partnerships we could have taken to make a lot more money back in the day. And like, we've, we're always here just to serve the community and whatever that looks like, however, you know, whatever kind of organic growth that brings is like totally fine. As long as we're taking really good care of our people, that's the only thing my team cares about. So, you know, as to what the future looks like, I guess the community dictates that the only good ideas I've ever had have always come from the community. So, you know, our growth is kind of in their hands. Hmm. That's the best way, right? To do it, to be, to be people focused, to be human focused, focusing on the lives that you change. But the other thing I've always so appreciated about you is that you don't, you have such a good balance and I know it, I know it has to be hard, but you have such a good balance at also putting so much of your focus at home with your son and being a present mother. How do you balance running this amazing business, impacting all of these millions of people and being a mom that's there and present? Well, the first thing is that I have a ton of privilege and I absolutely acknowledge that every opportunity I get, I work for myself, which means I can come and go into work anytime I please. I can take days off as I please. I can take an afternoon off for my kids like school program or chaperone a field trip. I have a full-time nanny who takes care of him during the day when he's not in school. I have a really active co-parent who is so flexible with our schedules and lets me travel when, you know, takes my son for a week so that I can travel for book tour stuff. I mean, there's so much privilege involved. And I feel like not acknowledging that makes it really easy for you to look at someone and think to yourself like, oh, she must be some kind of superwoman keeping it all together when like, I actually have all of these factors that are supporting me in this. Um, I have a huge, you know, an awesome Whole30 team where if I need to take days off because I need mental health days, they fill in and pitch in. So, you know, I nobody really does it by themselves. And also what you're seeing on Instagram and social media is not the full picture. You're not seeing what my house looks like right now or how we've had a risk board game on my kitchen counter for the last like two days in a row or the fact that my son has been in pajamas every single day for the last four days. Like you don't see all of that stuff. (laughs) I think we're all just doing the best that we can. And I am a full believer in letting good enough be good enough. Yeah. Your Instagram, how do you even have the time to do and engage there as much as you do? You do, I mean, you do such a great job, but you, I also feel like you're not on it all the time either. So you just have found balance somehow. Yeah. I love being on Instagram because that's where I get to connect with people really directly. I'm very active in my DMs. I'm, I'm, I'm the only person who manages my personal Instagram. There's nobody else on it. So it's like always me that you're talking to. And I love talking to people and hearing from people. I get great ideas for podcast episodes and newsletters, but I also recognize that like there's not, there's no such thing as an Instagram related emergency. And Mm -hmm. if I decide to tap out for the weekend because I'm with my kid or if my, you know, Brandon and I take some time off to do something or I just need a break for my mental health or my concussion mm-hmm. symptoms. Like I just take the time off that I need and I don't apologize for it. So, yeah. you know, I have a whole podcast episode on making social media work for you. And I think there are a lot of ways that you can cultivate your feed so that it adds more to your life than it takes away. But mm-hmm. you also have to be careful how you use it. 
Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, so Melissa, the last question I want to ask you is when you think about the the mission, the vision that you have with what you're doing with the whole 30, what is it that you want people, what change do you want people to make in their lives after they go through a whole 30? I think the whole 30 is really at its essence about reminding people how powerful they really are. You Mm. know, it's about food, but it's about so much more than just food. And how you show up for your whole 30 is how you show up in the rest of your life. And I want people to have the experience of taking on something that they know is going to be hard and making a promise to themselves that they're going to keep because they're worth it and they deserve it and they're worthy. And then seeing that commitment through and realizing that that self-confidence can carry over into every area of their life. Like that's the experience I want them to have when they take on the whole 30. I love that so much. That is so empowering and inspiring. It makes me want to start another Whole30 tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do it so well this time. Great. Because Melissa, I just, I just, 10 years of, of knowing you say this, just got to the point where I realized what a non-scale victory was. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's great. <laughs> and actually, I've gone, I think I've gone like two months now without weighing myself, which is a huge victory for me because I was, I was tied to that scale. Yeah. Most people are. It's a huge victory. It's a huge victory to to remove the power that you have granted to that $20 hunk of plastic on your bathroom floor. It's a huge victory. I I told someone this yesterday. I said, we just need to have a scale smashing party. We don't need them. (laughs) No one needs them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Melissa, where can people find out the how they can do the Whole30, more about following you, more about the program? Tell us all of the details. Yeah, everything Whole30 related is just Whole30. So W-H-O-L-E and the number 30. Whole30.com is the website. All of our social media is at Whole30. And then I'm mostly prevalent on Instagram and I'm just at Melissa U. So you can find me there, links to my podcast, do the thing and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And it's all amazing people. I love, love all of it. And again, Melissa, just thank you for everything you do for taking the time with with the audience and with me. And I just appreciate you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It was great to talk to you. Absolutely. I feel like I could have talked with Melissa for forever. I had so many questions for her and I loved everything that she said. There were so many great nuggets to take away from our conversation together. But here are the three biggest takeaways that I want you to take away from this episode in having to do with your pies. Melissa shared that she had been a drug addict and that she just celebrated 20 years drug-free, which is amazing. But did you hear how she did it? She changed everything about her life. She changed her friends, her music, her routines, and her food. So my first question to you is this, what do you need to change in your life to become the person that you want to be? Maybe you need to break an addiction. Maybe you need to change a behavior. Maybe you need to switch friend groups. Maybe you need to set some hard boundaries Maybe you need to do some hard things that are going to be uncomfortable to you, and maybe even 
to the people that are around you. It might even be that you need to change your music or your hobbies or maybe even your food. But think about the person that you want to become. The chances are that you're thinking of something right now that you know that you need to change. It just hits you in your gut as I'm talking about it. And you're trying to talk yourself out of what you're feeling that you think you need to change. But the truth is, if you're already thinking of it, then you don't need to let it go. When my husband got out of the army, he spent two years struggling with his own depression after having so many years of knowing exactly what you were supposed to do, being told what time to get up, being told what time to go to bed, being told what workouts to do. Every decision was made for him, which is ironic in its own sense that he gave up his freedom in order to fight for the freedom of our country. And I am so proud of him for everything he's done. But in that he lost himself. And so when he was finally out of the army and had freedom of his own, he didn't know what to do. And depression hit him very hard. And after two years of struggling with identity and purpose and what to do and where to go from here, Rob actually did a whole 30. And it wasn't necessarily because he was wanting to, to live a healthier lifestyle. It was because he knew he needed radical change in his life to give him energy, to give him motivation, to give him momentum, to just get up and do something each day. So his whole 30 turned into a whole 90 and he experienced major changes in that three months of eating clean, eating different, doing different habits. And it changed his life so much. He knew that he wasn't being the person he wanted to be. So he did something radically different for him. I mean, if you knew my husband, it was fast food, literally two meals a day. And he started doing a whole 30 where he had to cook all of his own food, go to the grocery store. Everything was different. And it ended up with him changing it to become more of the person that he wanted to be. For me, even as I just think about this right now and thinking, what is it that I need to change in my life to become the person that I want to become? I know that I have to stop being on my phone so much. You know it's bad when you see your kids start playing with their play phones when they see you on your phone. And when I saw my son do that the other day, he came and he sat next to me with his little play phone and acted like he was scrolling on it. I wanted to just sit in a corner and cry at how terrible I felt about the fact that I was doing it that much that my children were wanting to imitate me. I don't want to be a non-present person, whether it's while I'm being with my husband or with my kids or with my team that I work with or with my friends. I want to give a hundred percent of my attention and my eye contact to the people that I'm with. So I'm going to be making changes in that area in order to become the person that I want to become. But what is it for you? The second key pies takeaway or question is this. What are the things that you may be trying to overcome with food? What pain are you trying to numb? What silence are you trying to look for? What things do you not want to feel that you may be covering with food because you find it's easier to eat than to feel? 
Maybe you know what those things are, or maybe you don't, which leads me to my third key pies takeaway, which is to do a whole 30. Actually take 30 days and commit to doing this thing, eliminating the grains and the dairy and the sugar and the corn and the industrial oils and all of those things, which you can find at whole30.com, the complete list of what it is, and focus on eating the foods that are good for you, that will give you energy, that will give you clarity, that will help you decrease stress and just see what change happens over that 30 day period. Now you might be thinking that's too hard and it is hard, but it's not impossible. As Melissa said, it's uncomfortable to deal with feelings, but realizing that that discomfort is not going to kill you is really profoundly impactful. So consider doing a whole 30. If for nothing else, to show yourself that you're strong enough to do it. But in doing it, I know that you will end up seeing amazing changes in your relationship with food, maybe realizing some things about yourself that you didn't even know were there. I can only imagine the amazing things that could come from it. So in summary, the key pies takeaways are to ask yourself, what change are you wanting to happen in your life? And what do you need to change in your life in order to become the person that you want to be? The second is, what are the things that you may be trying to overcome with food? And the third is to go and do a Whole30. Hey, before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about the free Facebook group that we have that supports It Starts With Attraction. It's all about the pies, and it's actually called hashtag working on my pies, all one word. You can find it by going to Facebook and joining there. And be sure to also check out the website. It starts with attraction.com where you can see the show notes and even more about every guest that I've had. You can see all of the episodes that have happened so far. And it gives you quick and easy links so that you can review this podcast on the podcast player of your choice, Apple, Google, whatever it might be. Those reviews are amazing. I love them. And I so thank you for for your support and for listening to this podcast. Go ahead and even tap the share button and share this episode with Melissa Urban with someone that you know would benefit from it. Maybe it's a friend who keeps talking about the Whole30 but has never actually done it. Give this podcast to them maybe as a kick in the pants to motivate them to go and do it and get it done. And maybe you'll even join them in it. See you next week. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.